just at this scene of millions and trillions of people, just valleys full, hillsides full of people. And I was almost seeing it from like the front, you know, looking outwards on this. And I, it was like, this is the throne of God. I didn't see, but I felt that Jesus stood up and instantly this whole multitude of people hit their knees as one. It wasn't like a, you know, bunch of noise. It was a whump. It was just whump. And everyone hit their knees. Every single knee was bowed. And it wasn't in defeat. It was in absolute adoration. Absolute adoration. And just today, as we were singing, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, I just, I just remembered that. And also, I just thought, you know, in the end, no matter what happens, God wins. <laughs> he wins. And... And we do too. The victory is his and ours. You know, it's like there's so much happening right now. People getting sick, families all over the world. Some of our families and friends don't know Christ as their Savior. But we can sing that in faith. He is the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. And that is who he is. And he is in my life and in your life and over the people, over this multitude of people on earth today that don't know him, that sitting in darkness with this crazy COVID thing and whatever. But he is the way maker and he is not confused. He is not surprised. He has made a way this this too will be for his glory. And so we can stand even today in victory. I don't have to weep and cry that my children will not know him. I can stand in faith, even although, even although it looks like something, something else. I can stand in faith today because he is the way maker. He is a miracle working God and he is a promise keeper. Good morning. Good morning, Eric. So I want to uh, greet you with the Hebrew expression, Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Praise the Lord. So good to be with you all this morning. I've missed you so much. Uh, amazing to see the life and vitality here because the, the Spirit of God is here working in all of you. It's truly wonderful. Amazing that the primary theme of all the worship today was about God's presence with us, uh, which is, of course, what uh, Christmas is about. And uh, as we just heard a, a word about uh, people dwelling in darkness, well, the prophet Isaiah said that, Behold, the people who've been dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Jesus has come. That is what the season is about. And so we dwell together here because we who are in darkness have seen a great light. And uh, Jesus has brought us together in unity. But this, this story starts... A very long time ago, 
And rather than give you a, a detailed update of what I've been up to the last year and a half, I'll do that in writing. But I thought I would just share with you the thing that's impacted me the most from the last 18 months, okay? Which is the covenant faithfulness of God. He's the God who both establishes a covenant and ratifies it by repeating it and, 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 and reminding the people of his, his promise and then achieving it, accomplishing it, bringing it to pass. And so I want to read for you from uh, Exodus, uh, no, Genesis 17, 7. Okay. So in, in his dealing with Abraham, uh, God says, And I will establish my covenant between myself and you and your descendants uh, after you for generations which are to come, an everlasting covenant. I will be God to you and to your offspring after you. I will be God to you. So this is the amazing promise. Uh, and it gets repeated where he says, uh, it's again in uh, Exodus, in Ezekiel, in Jeremiah, in Revelation, I will be your God and you will be my people. And his presence with us that we sang about so much today is what he has promised. I will be God to you which implies that he's going to be with his people. But there was a big problem, because God is holy, and people are not. And so God promises that his presence is going to come and dwell with them, and so it, it shows up in leading them out of the exodus and the pillar of cloud and fire, and then it shows up on Sinai, Mount Sinai. But the people can't come close because God is holy. Only certain people can go up to minister to the Lord on, on behalf of the people. And then the tabernacle. The tabernacle is like, like a nuclear power facility. Uh, you can't go to the middle of it because you'll die. But so someone else, someone qualified, someone who's able to enter into that place has to go on behalf of you. And that's what the high priest does. And uh, so the problem is the high priest in the Old Testament had to keep going in every year for the Day of Atonement. The sacrifices never ended. The reason that they had sacrifices every day, there was blood all the time, was to remind them of the danger that is caused by sin and the need for salvation. A constant reminder. They had to see death every day. And brothers and sisters, we see death every day as well. But we now have a high priest who can enter into the Holy of Holies. And he, through his death, tore down the veil from top to bottom so that we may enter into the presence of God. And God is here today because of Jesus Christ's work. That's why we can sing about his presence with us today is because of Jesus Christ. And that makes the church the, the Mount Zion until our heavenly Mount Zion. This is the, an outpost of the kingdom of heaven, right here. We're meeting with God. God is present here with his people today. When we gather here and we call upon his name, we can invoke him. We can call on his name according to his covenant promise. I will be God to you and you will be my people. I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so as we sang today, he is with us. The people in darkness have seen a great light. And that great light is Jesus Christ. When we sang, show us who you are, 
Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, the exact imprint of his nature, the exact likeness of who he is. If you have seen me, Jesus says, you have seen the Father. That's Christmas. If you have seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. And the Abrahamic promise is for you in Jesus Christ. He is your God, and you are his people. All of the different covenants were all just one, different administrations of that same covenant of grace, where he says, I will be your God, you will be my people, I will be with you. And brothers and sisters, he's here with you today. Praise the Lord. I just wanted to unpack a little bit of what it looks like to see God. It's, it's, it's just my interpretation of it because when you see him, a little bit of him, <clears throat> you get to realize that, oh, he's quite big because of that little bit that you've seen. And when you see a little bit more, you realize, oh, he's bigger. So the more you see him, the more you realize you don't know about him. Does that make sense? So imagine this room is surrounded by 10 doors. And this room is called, what is a facet of God's character? Kindness. This room is called kindness. Good one. And you become familiar with this room called kindness, with the color of the walls, with the ornaments in the room, the furniture, the carpet, the smell, the vibe in this room. And you can even move the furniture around a bit. And you become familiar with it, so familiar that in time, when you enter this room, you don't have to look around. When you enter a room for the first time, you look around, you look at everything. Gosh, look at, the, oh, look at these windows. Flip, this is such a fabulous place. But maybe in time to come, you don't even notice the windows because you know they're there. And you know them. And you become familiar with this room. And then you open a door and you, and you enter into that room, which is just like this room, but perhaps it's called wisdom. Oh, so wisdom is there and something else is there and something else is there. And wisdom also has ten rooms, ten doors around it. And so we become familiar with this room is called kindness, but it's just a tiny little minuscule facet of kindness, perhaps a revelation that God has given you of his kindness. But his kindness is vast, and you know a little bit of it. So the more rooms you enter, the more you realize there are other rooms to enter. So show me who you are <laughs> is a big thing. And we pray it because we've tasted and we've seen that he's good. And when I taste a good thing, I want more of it. I want more of my Jesus. So we're wanting more of Jesus. Are you hungry and thirsty? I mean, I do love this season. Because it's the season of feasting. And uh, we started our feasts and it's been good so far and there's more and there's much more sorry am i making a noise with my and there's there's much more 
And I just loved uh, Alex's revelation that God is a God, is a covenant-keeping God. He's a way-maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise-keeper. What God says, He performs. And because of that, you and I can relax. We can rest in Jesus because He's got it. He's got the future. He's got our past. He's taken care of that. And so we need to be a people of thanksgiving. Last week, I kind of touched on about thanksgiving a little bit last week. And we came to the table. We came to the table of mercy. We came to the table of grace. We came with thanksgiving in our heart because it had been done. It has been finished. And we need to be a thankful people. And I think it's one of the one of the weapons of our warfare is this thing called thanksgiving. That the more I'm thankful, the more because when I'm thankful, I have to take my eyes off myself and I have to look at Jesus. And have to be thankful for what he has done. And he has been so good and so kind to me. He has really been kind. When I look at my own family, I had a brother who committed suicide. My other brother ended up an alcoholic. My mom also was an alcoholic. When I see and then I say, Lord, why me? Why did, why, why have ended up in such a, in such a spacious place, in such a great place? And it's because of the sovereignty of God. It was because God came and chose me. And I said, yes. He opened my eyes. I saw Jesus. And I need to see Jesus as much as I did when I was a 15-year-old little boy. I need to see him today. You need to see Jesus. And that's why Paul prays, open the eyes of our heart that we might see the riches to which he has called us. The riches of the inheritance that you and I have. And that inheritance can never be taken away. So as Alex was sharing, I just thought of Psalm 136. And I know we've probably done it. But it says, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. How long is forever? It's forever. There's never an ending. It goes on forever and ever. His love for you, James, endures forever. He loves you. He's never going to stop loving you. And because of goodness and because of his kindness, what happened? When he saw you were lost, he sent Jesus. Isn't 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 that something to be thankful today? I want to raise the level of thankfulness in your heart and my heart. And as I've been working on this for a little while, in my, in my mind and just having conversations with the Lord. What does this look like to be thankful? And really sometimes, just before you're about to share, it sometimes is very difficult. Sometimes you suddenly realize you're challenged and, 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 you, and you have to be thankful. And I was chatting with Greg this morning. And we were just talking about this, this thankfulness. And he was uh, mentioning Eric Johnson when he and his wife were newly married and they were working out their budget. And they looked at their budget and it was not balancing. It was, they were, they were spending too much. Anybody got a hand there? Is it's the, the, the budgets are not balancing. It's quite easy to, to see that they're not, not balancing. 
And in that thing, we can become uh, focused on the, on the numbers and we can become, uh, you can get depressed quite quickly. And what they, what they did was they, had, they, they suddenly realized what they needed to do was instead of looking at what they didn't have, they need to look at, look at what they had. And that's what you and I need to do. We need to look at what we have. And we need to start giving thanks for this, for the, for this skodong bucky that you have, uh, Zulani. That's it. So, so instead of, as you go to the, go to the bucky, you think, oh, is this, oh, say, Lord Jesus, I just thank you that I have transport. I thank you, Lord, for this bucky, which is going to get me to do what I do and the ministry is going to be, uh, be wonderful. So we need to be thankful for everything that we have. <laughs> we need to be thankful for the little things. We have a roof over our head. What's your brother's name? The little one, Sinele. He goes Kloof Junior Primary. Kloof Senior Primary Grade. Grade four. Grade four. Top of the class. Top of the class. Isn't that fantastic? So nearly uh, is an orphan. Has a beautiful sister that looks after him and cares for him. Top of the grade. We're trusting for good bursaries for, for high school. Whatever school he wants to go to, we pray the bursaries would open. They get full scholarships. Isn't that a good thing? And we thank you for the faithfulness that you have. And I, and I bless you because it hasn't been easy. How long since your mom passed? Seven years ago. Seven years ago. And since then, Mandy has been the primary caregiver, the primary help. And she's done it with Jesus. And it's been amazing. So we thank you. We thank you for Sanele. We ask, Lord, that you would bless him. So let's be thankful. I want you to go home. I want you to get out a journal, get out a piece of paper, and just write down the things that you are thankful for. You know, you might even think that there's not much to be thankful for. But even if you come down to the fact that, put your hand on your heart now, all of you, put your hand on your heart. Your heart is beating. Even if that is the only thing you feel you can be thankful for today, be thankful for that. Be thankful for today, for God's grace in your life. Be thankful for life. And we don't just have any ordinary life. We, we are not dead in our sins anymore. We are alive in Christ. We have abundant life. We have the life of God. We have Zoe life. That's been given to us as a free gift, as a gift of grace. Nothing we deserved. Isn't that a, isn't that a beautiful thought today? Isn't that a beautiful thought as those of you going out, going to work this week? Just know that. Know that you, know that you, you can be thankful for God's steadfast love. For he, he is, first of all, He is good, and then His steadfast love endures forever. That's really good. This is good news.
Lord Jesus, help me. I'm not sure where I'm meant to be going now. <laughs> but I want you to be thankful. Do, a, do that, uh, write that down, write a journal, maybe every single day, two or three things. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for rain. Oh, that's a little bit harder now. It's been raining for the last two or three months. But any day in Africa where it rains is a good day. It's a good day. So let's give thanks for the rain. Let's give thanks for the sun. Let's give thanks to our God. Because our God rules and reigns. Aline said that. Give thanks for your children. Not all your children are saved. But give thanks to the promise keeper who says you and all your household will be saved. It's got absolutely nothing to do with you. It's got everything to do with Jesus. He is going to save your children, your family. When I have a look at the, uh, the fact that both my kids love Jesus and Anthony's a, a pastor in Durban and Amy's uh, you know, part of a worship team in Germany, it's, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. And I give thanks to God for that. Because preachers' kids, they have a little bit of extra pressure placed on them. And somehow, God has been gracious. So I thank you, Lord. I thank you for, for uh, Amy and Anthony. I thank you, Lord, that you have saved them. And I pray that for all the families here. I pray, Lord, that as you, as you pray and as you give thanks for your children, children, that you will, that they will be saved. You will see what Thanksgiving does. Thanksgiving is much more important than we realize. I know the uh, coaches and the neuroscientists and all those people will, will, will say, from just from a, a physiological point of view, it is really good to give thanks. But it's much more than that for us. We are giving thanks primarily and and foremost, for, for God. You know, there was a guy, what is his name? Let me see if I can find that little story. Who was it? Um, I'm nearly there. I'm not, I've lost it completely. We can always find a reason to be thankful. I don't know whether any of you know of a guy of Matthew Henry. Now, Matthew Henry was a, a theologian, and he wrote a commentary, Matthew Henry's commentary. It's probably one of the most famous ones that, that most people will, will have heard of. Uh, and here is a story from, from his journal. He wrote in his diary one night. He had been robbed in the day. And he, he, I think he lived, Alex, help me, a uh, hundred years ago or more probably a hundred years ago or more, and he was robbed uh, and they stole his wallet. And he wrote in his diary the things that he was thankful for. And this is what he wrote. First, that he had never been robbed before. Second, that though they took his wallet, they did not take his life. Third, because even though they took it all, it wasn't very much. <laughs> and finally, because he was the one who was robbed, 
and not the one doing the robbing. So we've got to change our perspective. We've got to bring our perspective and we've got to look at life through the lens of, of Christ, through the grace that we have, have, have received, through, through what we have been given. So often we can forget that. So often we can get into that spiral of me, woe is me, and grumbly and pretty party and, 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 so, and become depressed instead of thanking God because he's a covenant-keeping God. Alex shared that so wonderfully this morning. I'm going to close just with one scripture, and I'm just going to read it. And It was going to be a whole preach, but I'm not going to do, I think we've almost done enough here. We've heard the word of the Lord. We've been worshiping him. And we'll sing again now. In Luke chapter 17, verse 11 to 19, let the word of God change your heart. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria Samaria and Galilee. And he entered a village. He was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy. Have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner, except the Samaritan? And he said to them, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Wow. What a story. I want to go, maybe read it for homework. Go and read it and ask the Lord to show you the riches of it. But there was uh, these ten lepers, outcasts, had to be at a distance, saw Jesus. They drew closer to Jesus. They still kept the distance because of the COVID-19, because, of the, <laughs> because, they, were, because they were unclean. They kept the distance, but they came to the one who could heal them. The one and only one who could bring them hope. And it's a strange thing. He tells them they've still got the disease. He says, go to the priests and show yourselves to the priests. You only did that when you were healed. But they were obedient. They walked out in that. They walked, and as they were going, what happened? Imagine you are one of the lepers, and you're walking out, and suddenly, as you're walking to to the priest, suddenly you see yourself being healed. What joy, what excitement, what jubilation. But only one came back, and he fell on his face, loud shouting, loud wasn't British. Thank you, Jesus, for my healing. <laughs> it was with exuberation. There was some excitement. Let your face uh, show what's happened on your inside, what's happened on your hearts. 
And he's giving thanks. The word there, to give thanks, uh, uh, I've got a scholar in the house, so I'll pronounce it wrong, but the Greek word is eucharisto. And it's used 37 times in the New Testament. And in every time it's used to give thanks to God. So we can always, we can always give thanks, all of us. There's no excuse not to give thanks because God is alive, because God is sovereign, because God is on the throne. We can give thanks. It doesn't matter really what's happening down here. So what did this man's faith look like? What did this leper's faith look like? He was crying for mercy. He went to the right person. There was a humility. There was a thankfulness. And he got saved. He came back and when he gave thanks, Jesus said that... uh, You are whole. Your faith has made you whole. Literally, he was saved. The healing was much more than just physical. The other lepers had whole bodies, but probably maybe still had sick hearts. This one came and his heart was healed. He was forgiven. So let's be a people of thankfulness. I think I could preach this, this message of thankfulness, week in and week out, for six months. The question today is, am I going to be thankful? So let's worship. Let's worship in response to his sovereignty. And I think we've got a song, and it's my favorite of all time. I've got a lot of favorite of all times. But it's O Holy Night. Isn't it an amazing song? Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Then he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. That's the response to Jesus is always to fall on our knees. Amen. So old brought up the uncleanness of the lepers. And so this is, I think, a fitting backdrop before this song, is that uh, if you woke up in your tent in Israel and you stepped outside to look at the beautiful weather and you accidentally trod on a dead bat, uh, you wouldn't be able to go to the temple. You wouldn't be able to go and uh, approach the Lord because you became unclean from touching a dead body until evening. So approaching the Lord was contingent on being pure, And so the problem was everything in life, there was something everywhere that could make you impure. Uh, And it was to highlight how holy God is and and the need for purity in in order to be able to reach him. But the song we're about to sing is, is about the person who came and lived with perfect righteousness and purity so that you don't have to worry about maintaining God's presence. If you were an Israelite, God's presence was contingent contingent on purification rituals. But now, because Christ is your high priest, that presence never goes away. So we said the covenant promise was God's promise of his presence. Jesus' coming is the, the realization of that, the arrival of that presence. And as your mediator in heaven, he makes that, per, that presence permanent. So you don't have to worry when you come here today, am I pure enough? Yes, Christ is pure enough for you in oh, order for you to approach. His presence will never go away.
Bless you. What a privilege to tag team with Alex. <laughs> Sorry. Um, just because we've been so full of thanksgiving today, um, if with every breath we take, we can be thankful. But I just want to say a special thank you to Alan for all the wonderful gems and messages he sends to us every day. And Lord, I just pray you continue to bless him and grow him and encourage him. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> 